recognize that students from marginalized groups enter classrooms within institutions where their voices have been neither heard nor welcomed. Whether these students discuss facts, those which any of us might know, what we call facts, or personal experience. My pedagogy has been shaped to respond to this reality. If I do not wish to see these students use the authority of experience as a means of asserting voice, I can circumvent this possible misuse of power by bringing to the classroom <coughs> pedagogical strategies that affirm their presence, their right to speak, in multiple ways on diverse topics. So I should maybe back up. She's talking about authority of experience. She's talking about the, the uh, tendency in our culture for, particularly for white males, to assume that their experience has more authority and express themselves with some confidence coming from their experience. And it tends to be an assumption that that experience would be the norm for all of humanity. Um, so she's, when she begins this sentence, she says, people from marginalized groups. She's an ardent feminist, so she's also talking about the uh, uh, women marginalized black people have been marginalized, where poor people have been marginalized, uh, where uneducated people have been marginalized. So if you don't come from uh, a group that is, say, mainstream in the status of uh, both class and race and say, economic position, may tend to not feel as invited to express yourself. When you do express yourself, you may actually experience that you're not heard. Um, and so that has a kind of a multiplying effect of learning to uh, diminish yourself. And she as a teacher then is consciously working to counter that. So she says, if I do not wish to see these students use um, authority of experience as a means of asserting voice, I can, I can circumvent this possible misuse of power by bringing to the classroom pedagogical strategies that affirm their presence, their right to speak in multiple ways on diverse topics. This pedagogical strategy is rooted in the assumption that we all bring to the classroom experiential knowledge. That this knowledge can indeed enhance our learning experience. If experience is already invoked in the classroom as a way of knowing that coexists in a non-hierarchical way with other ways of knowing, then it lessens the possibility that it can be used to silence. So uh, we all, the 
this is this important statement here. We all bring experiential knowledge. This knowledge can indeed enhance our learning experience. So experiential knowledge is actually what we emphasize in our practice. Experiential knowledge is um, the discovery of true nature in sitting satsang. Experiential knowledge is realizing that your life is actually valid and that your direct experience is available to you to the extent that you actually free your mind of uh, all the biases and cultural constraints and uh, the limited ways in which you identify who you are that distort your, your perception. And once you actually begin to appreciate your own direct experience, then you have that basis from which you can express yourself. In our training this weekend, um, we had one exercise uh, of different people role-playing, doing some Dharma teaching. And uh, it was easy to see that there was a range of, uh, say, what we might say, confidence. People feeling that they can actually express karma, even, say, basically giving sadhana instruction, or just being present in front of people on the basis of their own experience. Here when we do way-seeking mind talks, actually, we have a way of opening up that for people to say, okay, your own experience of coming to practice is valid. It's wonderful to hear people give way-seeking mind talks. It's been a while since we've We've done, we did some this practice period this spring, and uh, we should look for opportunities to do that from time to time. This committee, right? <coughs> so I don't think we've made a decision about how to work that in, but we're interested to hear. Um, consider doing uh, an occasional Monday or maybe one Monday a month or something like that where we can always seek your mind talk from one of us um, rather than uh, talk. so bell hooks as a black Buddhist feminist brilliant person is working with this, and uh, uh, if you didn't already know about bell hooks, now you know such a person exists. Um, so just the title again, Teaching to Transgress. So this is, uh, you know, teaching teacher that invites you to 
go beyond boundaries that you assume are there. And boundaries that most teachers would say you must observe. And of course, for boundaries, <laughs> John was smiling <laughs> with the little children. So we do need boundaries, we need forms. And in our practice, we do have very specific forms. Um, and it's actually how we meet the forms uh, and, uh, that uh, offers us opportunity to uh, really get to know ourselves, how we respond to certain forms, how we take them up, how we, how we have difficulty taking up forms, how we sometimes resist forms, how we sometimes <coughs> uh, take uh, comfort in forms. And then when it changes, we notice change the forms, we notice, oh, how that's distressing. Um, so all these are opportunities for us to uh, clearly study, observe, and release our own tendencies. A little bit of Suzuki Roshi saying that Buddhism is not something. It's really not anything. It's not a thing. Buddhism is not a thing. Our practice is not a thing. Um, here he says, most of us study Buddhism as though it were something that was already given to us. We think that what we should do is preserve the Buddha's teaching. Like putting food in the refrigerator. Then to study Buddhism, we take the food out of the refrigerator. Whenever you want it, it is already there. Instead, Zen students should be interested in how to produce food from the field, from the garden. We put the emphasis on the ground. All of us have Buddha nature, and the teachings that grow from Buddha nature are similar to one another. The teachings of different schools of Buddhism do not differ so much, but the attitude toward the teaching is different. When you think that the teaching is already given to you, then naturally your effort will be to apply the teaching. Mahayana understanding is that the original purpose of the teaching, when Buddha told it, was to explain the interdependency of different beings. Buddha tried to save us by destroying our common sense. Here, I think by common sense, it means our acculturated uh, way of viewing things. So he's really on the same track as Bell Hooks. <laughs> and I wanted to conclude with a poem that I sometimes read from uh, Bill Stafford. Kansas poet. It's called A Ritual to Read to Each Other. So, I don't know, I read this one once every couple of years. And so here it is tonight. If you don't know the kind of person I am, and I don't know the kind of person you are, a 
pattern that others may, may prevail in the world. Following the wrong God home, we may miss our star. For there is many a small betrayal in the mind, a shrug that lets the fragile sequence break, sending with shouts the horrible errors of childhood storming out to play through the broken dike. And as elephants parade, holding each elephant's tail, but if one wanders, the circus won't find the park. I call it cruel, and maybe the root of all cruelty to know what occurs, but not recognize the fact. And so I appeal to a voice, to something shadowy, a remote, important region in all who talk. Though we could fool each other, we should consider, lest the parade of our mutual life get lost in the dark. For it is important that awake people be awake, or a breaking line may discourage them back to sleep. The signals we give, yes or no, or maybe, should be clear. The darkness around us is deep. Let's pause for just a moment and let that sink in. I got shook because the truth of that for myself is so clear. The reference point I have to be right there. So, you know, and I, I got it when she said, well, you go to class with other people, their, their voices are not only aren't listened to, they must feel so disempowered. Really struck home for me with the teaching of. I'm never going to enter a room again without being really careful about who's there that isn't quite there. And I also felt very sad. And that was a kind of sadness like I just belong to a white culture. Yeah, just like you speak. I had a dream last night of being in the dark. 